We're starting a brand new series today called Food for Thought. And so we are taking stories from the Bible that have to do with food and have to do with miracles and putting them together and leaning into this overall principle that God takes our natural and he turns it into the supernatural. So whenever we run to the end of our ability, we run into God's ability. Whenever we run into the end of our power, we get to lean into God's power. Whenever we run out of our resources, God is our provider and we lean into his resources. And so that's what we're going to be looking at throughout out this series. How many of you guys just love to see when God puts his power into our lives? And that's a lot of times we just call that a miracle. I love this story of this guy named George Mueller. I've talked about him before, but he was a kind of a missionary in the 1800s, but he was also famous because he rescued a lot of kids who, who were orphans and he created a place for them to live. And at, throughout his lifetime, I think it was like 10,000 orphans or something that he was a part of. And he, he really had to go through that process, just trusting God by faith that God was going to provide. There's one famous story that uh, one particular morning, there were 300 orphans that were in the place where he was at. And they woke up that morning and the children got all dressed and they got ready for school and they're getting ready to eat, but there's no food. And so George tells one of his team members, one of his staff, he says, go ahead and go have, have them all, you know, sit at the table and get ready. And so they all sat at their tables and George came in and he blessed the food and then he just waited and he waited. And a few minutes later, there was a knock at the door. And there was this baker on the other side of the door who said, George, I don't know, I, I just couldn't sleep last night and I just had this feeling that you were going to need bread today. And so I, I was up at two in the morning and I baked all these batches of bread and he started to bring them in. God was like supernaturally providing just, just on the faith of this guy who just dared to believe that God was going to add the supernatural to the natural. A few minutes later, there was another knock at the door and there at the other side of the door was a milkman whose cart had broken down right right outside the orphanage. And he said, I've got all this milk that's going to spoil by the time that the tire, that the wheel is going to get fixed. Could you use some milk? And George just smiled as they brought in these 10 cans of milk to, to give all of this milk to these thirsty children. It was an amazing story, but there was story after story just like that. How many of you guys would love to see miracles in your life like that? I mean, to be able to trust God in that way, to be able to put your faith really out there on the line that way, that's what George did. How many of you guys would like to see a miracle? I'm going to ask for a show of hands right there in your living room. Go ahead. Go on record in your house. Look around. If you're the only one there, go ahead and raise your hand. Some of you guys are like, I don't want to see any miracles. I don't think there's anybody there who doesn't want to see a miracle. One more time. How many of you guys want to see a miracle? All right. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Everybody wants to see a miracle, but nobody wants to see a problem. Everybody wants to see a miracle, but how many of you guys agree? Nobody wants to see a problem. But the reality is for there to actually be a miracle, there must first be a problem. And none of us like problems. And so some of us right now, we're staring at problems and we're frustrated. We're maybe depressed. Maybe we're angry at that. But remember, for there to be a miracle, there must first be a problem. And if you're staring at a problem today, remember this. You said you wanted a miracle. You said you wanted a miracle. And I, I want you to understand that what we're going to be looking at today is a guy who had to face some problems. And out of the book of 1 Kings, there's a prophet who came across a problem. And he's the famous prophet, Elijah. And he had just earlier, he had prayed by the command of God to pray that the rain would not Rain, it wouldn't rain anymore, that there would be a cease from rain. And so he comes out of that event and out of that, there was a lot 
of problems as a result. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 10 through 12 says this, says, So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and he said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and he said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little jug, a little oil in the jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Now that's encouraging, right? I mean, that's an encouraging verse. She's getting ready to literally prepare her last meal as a result of this famine in the land. And she's going to go in and she's going to bake it. And then she's going to die according to her own confession. But as we're looking at this story, I want you to get this. Point number one is this. A problem is an opportunity to reveal who your source is. A problem is an opportunity to reveal who your source is. As we keep reading, we see who her source ends up becoming. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 13 and 14, it says this, And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, and go and do as you've said. But watch this. But first bring me a little cake of it, and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. It's a strange request. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Now she has a choice. This problem has revealed who her source really is. Is she going to trust the word of God here? Is she going to trust God and the voice of God? Or is she going to trust what she's looking at in the natural? See, it's easy for us to say that God is our source in our finances, for example. But then when the paycheck stops, maybe you have a situation like that where your paycheck has stopped. And then all of a sudden we have an opportunity to reveal was the paycheck our source or is God our provider? Because it's really easy to say that God's our provider when, when we're leaning on something else. See, it's really easy to say God is my source of peace. But when you're at the end of your peace, you have an opportunity that gets exposed. Are you going to lean into the peace of God now? Or is this really just revealing that it was good circumstances that was your source of peace? And as soon as circumstances change, your peace changes. It's really easy to say that God's our source. See, the, the issue is if we have the wrong source, then bad things can happen. I've told this story before, but I think it's hilarious. There was, how many of you guys have ever uh, heard about siphoning gas? My, my dad, I heard about my dad doing this back when he was in his hippie days. They would just go up to a gas tank of somebody else's car, take a hose, and literally suck the gas out into their own tank and go and steal other people's gas. Now I think the statute of limitations has been lifted or it's too far for my dad to get in any, any trouble, but I heard stories about that. There's a story about this guy who he was doing that. He, he wanted to steal some gas and so he snuck in at night into this place and he, he had the hose and he had his canister and everything and he opens up the, the, uh, the tank there and he sticks the hose in and there in the darkness of night he starts to suck on the hose to get the gas so he can steal it and as he sucks on the hose there's this moment of realization that he had walked into an RV park and instead of sticking the hose in the gas tank he stuck 
stuck it in the sewage tank. And he's out puking on the ground. The owners of the RV come rushing out. This is a true story, by the way. They come rushing out to all this commotion. They ended up not pressing charges because they were so, uh, they were laughing so hard at this guy who got basically what he deserved. Now, as you're looking at that, he obviously got the wrong source, right? Now, let me ask you a question. If he would have maybe tried a little harder at sucking that gas out that's not gas, would that have made a difference in the end result? No, because he still has the wrong source. What if he had a bunch of experts who were telling him and, and exactly how to siphon gas better? Would that have changed his results? No, because he still has the wrong source. What, what if he had all of his friends that were just there cheering him on, like, go, buddy, like, you, you just keep going? Would that have changed the end result? No, because he had the wrong source. And so many of us, we start to lean in to what culture says about our relationships. And then we end up having wrong results because we, we're, we're at the wrong source. Maybe we're, we're leaning into what, what, uh, you know, culture says about this or, or our friends are there encouraging us, telling us to keep going this direction. Our Facebook echo chamber keeps telling us the same thing. In the end, does it change the result if we have the wrong source? See, a problem is simply an opportunity to reveal who our source really is. And a lot of us right now, we're facing some problems and our source is being revealed. So after that whole story, I think it's a good time to talk about food, okay? Because this is food for thought. And so we're going to talk about food. So let's bake some food. All right, I am here with Lindsay, my 11-year-old daughter, and we are going to bake a cake because Elijah asked the widow to bake a cake. So we're going to have some fun. We're going to bake a cake. I don't really know what we're doing here. Do you know what you're doing? No. Okay, well, let's give it a shot. Okay, so uh, we're going to follow a recipe here, and it says to combine these ingredients. So we've got some sugar. Let's go ahead and start combining these things, if you would. Uh, got some sugar. We've, yeah, just dump it all in. I'm sure that's fine. Uh, we've got some, uh, some other stuff that we've pre-prepared here. We don't know what that is. Go ahead and just dump that in there. I'm sure that's going to work. I think there's some coffee in there, some milk, some other goodness. I don't know what that is. Uh, okay, set that off to the side there. Now we've got some vanilla, I think. Uh, and then uh, we're going to pour that in there and then a couple eggs. Go ahead and do the couple eggs there. And uh, so she was asked to make a cake. That's kind of a loose translation of it. But um, we're going to make an Elijah cake today, at least what we're calling an Elijah cake. Yeah, just go ahead and throw that away. And uh, so I don't know about you guys, but the, one of the cool things about just instead of just giving you a recipe, we're showing you how we do this because it's much more fun to express ourselves and to see what's actually happening. And I don't know about you guys, but I hate talking on the phone. How many of you guys hate talking on the phone? I hate talking on the phone. Do you hate talking on the phone? Yep. Yep. I hate talking on the phone. Why? Because I can't see body language. I can't see, I can't really tell what's going on. Um, there's that study out there that a lot of people uh, think is maybe a little bit skewed, but they talk about how only 7% of communication is actual, the words we say. And that's because it accounts for like body language and moving of the arms and all that type of stuff and how we really express Ourself. And so as we're thinking about this widow and we're thinking about the faith acts that she took, I started to, to wonder, and here's point number two for you guys, I started to wonder how faith would express itself. Like what is the body language of faith? And I'll just say it this way. Point number two is this. Faith expresses itself through obedience. 
And so she was given this opportunity to let her faith be expressed. And when you're facing a problem, your faith needs to express itself. It can't just say that it has faith, but you have to actually express your faith. And so she did that by baking a cake. So we are going to continue to bake our cake here, and we have to sift these ingredients. There's some brown stuff here. I don't know what that is. We're going to dump that. Okay, that was a little bit messy. Uh, we're going to dump that right in there. We got some flour. I'm assuming this is flour. I'm not doing a good job. Okay, that's fine. Uh, go ahead and just dump that in there. Um, got some white stuff here. I don't know what that, that white stuff is. Got some more white stuff here. I don't know what that is. We got some more white stuff here. We're going to dump that in. Now you go ahead and sift that all together. All right, we're going to be sifting that together. All right, so faith expresses itself through love. So second, or 1 Kings chapter 17, and verse 15 through 16 says this. I'll just go ahead and read it. And it says this, And she went and did as Elijah said. And she went and did it as Elijah said, and she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke through Elijah. So she went out and she obeyed. She expressed her faith. And faith, when our faith gets expressed, it costs us something. Imagine the audacity of Elijah, who basically, he asked, think about this, he asked a widow for her last meal. He took the widow's last meal. And yet her obedience out of faith, which she knew was going to cost her something. But the awesome thing about faith obedience is that the reward for your faith is a lot greater than the cost in the end. But you don't know that up front. So imagine, Lindsay, what if I said, hey, I want you to give me $5 and I'm just going to flush it down the toilet. Would you think that's a good idea? You don't know. I think that's a horrible idea. But, it, so what, but what if I said, hey, if you give me $5, uh, I'm going to give you $100. Or what if I said, I'm going to give you $100 first, then you have to give me $5. Would that be a lot easier? Yeah. yeah, it'd be a lot easier. But that's not the way faith works. Faith goes first and faith expresses itself uh, through obedience. So let's combine these ingredients here. Go ahead and throw that in. And we're going to get ready to put this thing in the oven. I guess. All right, let's blend that thing together. I don't know which beater to use here. Okay, we'll use this one. All right, let's go ahead and let's blend this thing together. I can't get it on. There we go. Okay, hold on. All right, we're going to put that. All right, go ahead. Whoa! Whoa. Well, it okay, worked. it kind of worked. All right, we're making a cake. We think that's done. All right, so we're going to just pour this into these cake pans here and try to get this thing in the oven here. All right, so we're going to see. All right, let's see. Let's just let's just try this thing. Okay. Okay. That looks that looks pretty pretty bad. Okay, let's pour this in. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now let's see. We got to get it even there. Oh, but a little bit more over here. That's going to be a flat cake. Okay. There's some crumbs in there, but that's That's okay. crumbs. It's a little chunks. It's fine. It'll be a chunky cake. All right. Put that in there. Let's put these things in the oven.
Okay, take these out of the oven and now we're ready to frost this thing. All right, so let's just take this and uh, yeah, we'll just, oop, okay, well, that's falling apart there. Okay, hold on. It'll already be sliced. There we go. Just put that on. Oh, we got to put some, frost. here, slap some in the middle there. Okay. Yep, just put that on there. All right, spread that out a little bit. It's gonna be a good cake. I don't know if the widow had so much fun as we're having making this cake for Elijah, but we're having a lot of fun here. Doing a great job there. Uh, that's good enough. Okay, let's take this piece, set that right up there. Now we're just gonna cover this whole thing. Just cover the whole thing there. Kids, if you're watching at home, this is kind of, uh, it's kind of how you do this. It's kind of the, uh, you probably aren't going to be able to do it as well as we are because we're kind of professionals, but um, there you go. All right, put that, yeah, yeah, get it all over there. Keep accidentally touching it. You kind of want to let it just, just kind of drape down the whole cake like that. That's really the best way to do that. Just eat, just eat it. All right, I think we got that pretty well covered now, don't you? Okay, that's a mess. Okay, put that over here. Now, we're just gonna write something right on the top here. Oh, that's a little harder to do than I thought. Oop, that, nope, that didn't work that well. Hold on. Okay, there we go. Do you have enough room? I don't know. Okay, hold on. That's gonna be a little bit awkward. It'll be okay. Okay, and there we have it. We have our Elijah cake. The widow made it with, with faith, we made it with love. <laughs> All right, the story for the widow doesn't end at this miraculous cake baking contest. It actually continues on in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 17. It says, After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. He died. Okay, that's what happened. He died. And so she goes and she tells Elijah because she knows that he's a man of power, man of faith. And verse 21, it says, Then he stretched, Elijah stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. The Lord listened to the voice of Elijah and the life of the child came into him again and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is truth. All right. Point number three is this. Faith obedience puts you in position for the miracle you didn't know you needed. 
Faith obedience puts you in a position for the miracle that you didn't know that you needed. You see, if all you do is you plan for what you see and all you do is act on the natural of what's in front of you, then you'll miss your miracle provision along the way. The widow didn't know that her son was going to die. But early on, when it started off with just baking the prophet a cake, she was faithful in her faith obedience and that put her in a position so that when she would need a miracle later that she didn't know she was going to need because of her faith obedience, she was now positioned for another miracle and she obeyed a along the way, even when it didn't make sense. And that put her in a position for a miracle that she didn't know that she needed. Now, you're not responsible for trying to know all the future and knowing what's down the road. But what you are responsible for are the faith steps that are right in front of you. Back years ago, when before we started this church, I've told you guys the story a million times, but I was walking and I was praying in a field and God spoke something to my heart and he said, something is going to change. And I didn't know what that something was. I didn't know the steps that were going to be down the road. And so I couldn't take those steps. But what I did was started, I started to listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit of the steps that I was to take, even though I didn't know the end. And so some of the promptings were to get out of debt. I didn't know why. So we, we paid off our debt. Another prompting was to sell our house and we were positioning ourselves to move anywhere in the world. And so we, we put, started that whole process. We, we sowed some seed. We gave some things away. We gave a car away and just like as a faith act. And all these things were prompting us and they put us in a position for six months later in that whole process, it all began to make sense. And we were positioned to be able to do what God has called, had called us to do at the time. Now, had we not done those things, what might have happened instead of taking a step of faith, we might have had to try to take a huge leap of faith and try to force something outside of God's will. We're not responsible for the, the third step, but we are responsible for the step that's right in front of you. Is there an area of your life right now where you feel the prompting of the Holy Spirit and you don't understand why. It doesn't make sense in the natural. You're looking at your current plan and you're looking at what's going on and you feel this prompting of the Holy Spirit and you don't know why. It may be that you are to do faith obedience now that's positioning you for a miracle that you don't know that you need yet. So as, as we wrap this up, I want to look at a scripture in the New Testament that talks about this guy named Elijah. And we go all the way to James chapter 5. Verse 16, it says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power in its working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. And we look at that and we think, man, Elijah was this great man of faith, great man of power. And he was this great man of faith, this great man of power. And then we think it, our, our lives, we're talking about miracles and we're talking about faith. And we're talking about all these crazy things. And you may be thinking, well, Sean, I'm not this Elijah guy. I'm not like this guy who's going around and seeing all these miracles and praying for all this type of stuff. Point number four is this. You don't need Elijah faith. All you need is widow faith. You say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, we want to think about Elijah like this guy who walked around and saw miracles all the time and did miracles, and he did. But I want you to understand it was the widow's faith obedience that actually triggered the miracle of the jar of, of oil and the flour that did not run dry. 
She had faith enough in the word of God to simply act in faith obedience. And maybe you don't see yourself as this Elijah guy, but maybe you, you find yourself like, oh, I'm more like the widow is at death's door. I want you to understand, you, the widow wasn't in ministry. She wasn't this big faith hero. She just simply obeyed by faith. That's widow faith. Every single one of us can have that type of faith. I want you to understand about this, this scripture that we just read where it talks about Elijah and all this stuff stuff. It's not putting Elijah up on a pedestal, and I'll show you why. What it's actually doing is bringing us all up with Elijah and saying we all can do this. How do, how do I know that? Because it says this, it says the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Let me ask you a question as we're wrapping this up. Who is a righteous man? Who's a righteous woman? The Bible says there's not one. That, that is outside of Christ. But when we get in Christ, guess what the Bible says? The Bible says we are the righteousness of God in Christ. So outside of Christ, we're not righteous, but inside we've been given this gift of right standing with God so that we could read that scripture this way. If we were to read it all again, the effective, fervent prayer of who? Of those who are in Christ avails much. That's you and me. We have that kind of power in our prayer. So faith expresses itself through obedience. What kind of faith step do you need to take today? And maybe it doesn't make sense on paper. Maybe you just feel a nudge of the Holy Spirit. Maybe it doesn't line up with what your plans are. I want you to understand who your source is. And as you take those steps of faith, God honors them and rewards them. And that God sees the end from the beginning. What faith step do you need to take today? Some of you guys need to take a faith step of simply following Jesus. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He paid the price. He rose from the dead and he offers us eternal life. And we, some of us need to take that faith step simply to follow Jesus and to receive the grace of God, to receive that right standing with God that I talked about. If you're outside of Christ, you're, you can't be righteous on your own. But when you become in Christ and surrender your heart to Jesus, what happens? He gives us his gift of righteousness. He gives us this gift of right standing, not based on what we do, but based on what he's done. So I want to pray for all of us as we close. If that's you, you need to surrender your heart to Jesus. You can do that right during this prayer. But let me pray for all of us. God, we thank you so much that we, we have right standing with you by faith. We thank you that you've made us righteous so that we can be like Elijah and pray those prayers of faith, that we can trust in you as our source. God, help us to take faith steps today, even if they don't make sense in the natural, that you are positioning us for a miracle. Lord, I pray for those right now who need to take the faith step to follow you. I pray right now that they would turn from their ways and turn to your ways, that we would follow you with all of our heart and acknowledge that you are the Lord of all, that you are our source, that you are our everything. We confess that you're Lord of all and we receive your grace into our life by faith right now so that we can walk in that right standing with you. Lord, I thank you for those who are praying that prayer right now and we thank you for all of this, this whole church right now that is taking, I believe is going to take faith steps in the future that we don't even know how it's going to turn out. Lord, we take them right now by faith with joy in our hearts, God, right now in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you guys. If you prayed that prayer to surrender your life to Jesus, we've got a link there. Let us know that. We want to help you guys get started on this journey with faith, of faith. And for all the rest of you guys, we'll see you next time with Food for Thought.